Today's daf is daf lamed hey in mesachas yavamas, and we are up to daf lamed hey. We're up to lishna acharina, which is six lines from the top of lamed hey amad aleph. Okay, lamed hey amad aleph. We're up to lishna acharina, six lines from the top. Now let's remind ourselves of the sugi that we're dealing with. All right, so we had a fascinating case. We th- this was the case: two men married two women. They had a complete kedushin, a complete erison. It comes time for the chuppah. And by mistake, however it worked out, one man ended up with the wrong wife, another one ended up with the other wife. So they ended up having relations with the, with the wrong woman. All right, so Shmuel told us, this is towards the bottom of Lamadalad Amadbez, Shmuel told us that you got to wait three months. You got to wait three months before getting back together with your wife so that we could ensure... We know who the father is. Let's say the baby's born nine months later, nine months after the initial relations. Well, if you let her marry too, uh, if you let her get back with her husband too soon, then we're not going to know who the father is. So for the Yichu, Shmuel said, you should know that any woman who had relations and then she wants to get married, they all need to wait three months with the exception of a girl who converted as a kitana, or a girl who was freed from slavery as a shivcha kananis, as a kitana, as a minor as well, okay? So if you have a shivcha, a, a non-Jewish maidservant, or you have a kitana, a young Gentile girl who then converts, they don't need to wait three months before marrying. Everybody else, though, must wait three months. Now, why would a Gentile girl or a, a, a shivcha who's a minor need to, because there's a, there's a chazaka that, these, uh, that promiscuity reigns amongst the nations of the world. So in general, we assume that if somebody is not Jewish or a shivcha, that she's involved in these types of relationships. So usually we're going to have to wait three months, but we say, no, by Geras you don't, shivcha you don't. Okay, that was Shmuel's original approach. Now we get into our Gemara. Here we go. Lishnachrina, another way, Another way to understand Shmuel's statement, there's another way that it was said over Amar Shmuel. Shmuel's statement was, Every woman who has relations and then wants to get married must wait three months. See, beforehand, Shmuel was saying, If she was a minor, she doesn't need to wait. Now, according to this Lishnachrina, the second expression, we're saying that Shmuel holds... That even if the Giyoras was a Gedola, or the maidservant was freed as a Gedola, also, you do not need to wait three months. And if you notice, this is very, very practical. Let's say you have a, a woman who's not Jewish, and she converts for various reasons. Now, very often nowadays, you can have people who are in a relationship, one's Jewish, one's non-Jewish. Let's say you have a Jewish man, non-Jewish woman. The non-Jewish woman starts being attracted to Judaism, and then she converts, do we, do, does the husband need to wait three months before chuppah? We say no. Okay? Now she's a G'dayla. According to the original statement, you'd have to wait three months before marrying. Because Lamaisa, she wasn't Jewish before, and she's Jewish now. Let's keep going. Avol Ketana Bas Yisrael. This seems to be that, let's say you have a Ketana, a, a, a minor, who is a Bas Yisrael. She's a nice Jewish girl. And she had relations with somebody. Stam had relations. No, it doesn't make a difference who. And now she wants to get married. You don't need to wait three months. That's the assumption, right? From the statement, we're assuming 
that if you have a young Jewish girl, 11 years old, stum, she, uh, she had relations with, uh, with, with a young man. Okay. They committed an affair out of wedlock. And now she wants to get married. Does she need to wait three months? It seems. No. Seems she can get married right away. Says the Gemara, Bamai, what's the case? If she originally had relations through Mion, she already told us that you do not need to wait. Right? If when a woman has Mion and then she uproots her marriage retroactively, let's remind ourselves what Mion is. If you have an orphaned girl, either literally orphaned or orphaned because her father had previously married her off, so he no longer has rights to her, and her brother or mother married her off, she can refuse the marriage by her bas mitzvah. Turns 12, says, bah, see you later, alligator. I'm not married to you anymore. Okay? What happens? The whole marriage is uprooted retroactively. That's what's called mion. She refuses the marriage. Now, Ibeget, if she was married completely, and now she needs a get, Shmuel, you do need to wait three months. Shmuel says, If let's say she refuses her husband, that's when you don't need to wait three months. But if there was a get, for example, her father had married her off, so it was a full-fledged marriage. In order to get rid of her, you got to hand her a get. She's going to have to wait three months. Says the Gemara, listen to this. This girl was never married. She was never married. She was an 11-year-old. Stam. She had relations with a 13-year-old. Ella biznus. Maybe we're talking about a regular case of znus. It was nus piketana leishchiach. And the Rabban did not make a decree about waiting three months. You know why? Because it's very uncommon to have a situation like that. At such a young age, to just on your own, just be involved in znus, the Chum did not feel the need to make a decree that a girl, who's the Jewish girl who's a katana, needs to wait three months before getting married. Ask the Gemara, says Gemara, okay, fine. Now, this is a fascinating assumption, but says the Gemara, when it comes to a Giyaris, a woman who's, uh, a woman who's converting, or a woman who's being freed, where it is common to have Znos, because they're part of the nations of the world, it seems even at that young age, Ligzar, the Rabbanish make a decree obligating a three-month wait, answers the Gemara, who the Amar Kerebiasi, a person who converts a Giyaris and a Shvuya, a person who's taken captive, this is talking about even a Jewish woman, okay? Because if men take a woman into captivity, no matter whether it's a Jewish woman or not Jewish woman, these guys have control over her and they could, you know, they could violate her. Um, and a shivcha, shenifdu, they were either redeemed, they now converted, they're freed. You need to wait three months. But Rebuhuda says, no. No. You can marry this girl right away. You can marry this girl right away. We're going to see why. Okay, now, again, what, what do we just state? There's a dispute about a woman who's taken into captivity, a woman who was not Jewish, a woman who was a slave, and then they're freed. Do you need to wait three months? We had a machlaikas. Rabbi Yehuda says yes. Rabbi Yaisi says no. Now, Rabbi Yehuda's saying yes. It makes sense why you got to wait three months. Why? Because we're concerned. We've got to know what the ichus of the baby is. Rabbi Yaisi saying that you can marry her right away. What's the logic in that? I mean, this, this, this lady was taken into captivity. You had a bunch of men taken into captivity. They could do to her body whatever they want. And Rebbeisi is letting them marry her right away. You, she's, you don't need to wait three months. <laughs> what happens if there's a baby seven months later? You're not going to know who the father is. 
Omar Rabba Rabba says, My time with the Rabbi Yaisi. What's the reason for Rabbi Yaisi? Who says that, uh, that a, a woman from captivity and so on and so forth is that a go free right away? He says that when you have a woman in such a situation, she's going to be meshamesh with maich. Maich means a cloth. She's going to insert a cloth into herself to make sure that she can't become pregnant. What they call, what we'll call a old school type of birth control, because she'll make sure that, that uh, she, she uh, doesn't become pregnant. She wants to make sure she doesn't become pregnant. She doesn't want to become pregnant from these guys. says, It makes sense when a woman's converting. I understand. Since she intends to become a Jewish, so she wants to wait till she's Jewish to conceive. So, means she's going to hide herself, she's going to protect herself, and make sure that she uses proper, um, proper protection so she doesn't become pregnant. So that she can differentiate and we can differentiate between uh, children that are born as Yidin and not. When a woman is taken into captivity or a Shifcha, also it makes sense why she's going to use a form of birth control. Because by the servant, by, by, the, by the, the maidservant, the word gets out there, you know, our, our, your owner plans on freeing you in the near future. Very rarely does something happen just like boom overnight. All right, word gets out there. No, next month you're being fired from your job, you're going free, right? You're going to be released. Or, and, and therefore they also want to protect themselves. But what about a woman who goes out, how do you find a case where we should allow her to marry right away? What's the Gemara's question? Listen to this. If you have a non-Jewish maidservant, so there's two ways that she becomes free. Either through the owner deciding to free her, or the Torah says, if she has a Jewish master, and he harms her body in a way where he knocks out her tooth, or blinds her in an eye, she automatically becomes free whether he likes it or not. Now, let me ask you a question. Was that planned? No. It's random. Whatever happened, happened. Now, the statement we said originally was, any freed slave woman does not need to wait three months. We said, what's the reason? Oh, because she's going to use protection to make sure she doesn't become pregnant. In this case of Shane Va'ayin, is it possible that she knew she's going to be freed, that she should think about using protection? No, this is a fluke. There's no reason why she would have assumed that. So ask the Gemara Kasha what we need clarity in. Why in the world would a, would a slave, would, would a maidservant who went out Peshen Va'ayin, why would she not have to wait three months? Lachor, we should say, wait three months. Maybe she, the, the Chazaka would tell us that she had relations without a moch, without any sort of protection. Says the Gemara, and if you're going to say, that we're going to forewarn a possible answer. And if you're going to say, that Rabbi Yaisi would agree that Taka in that case, Taka in such a case, you got to wait three months. If a woman is violated against her will, or seduced, she needs to wait three months. Rabbi Yehuda allows her to marry immediately. Now let me ask you a question. If a woman is violated against her will, a guy forces a woman into a relationship. Did she plan on that? No. <laughs> Forced. And still, 
Reb Yaisi says, you don't need to wait three months. So this is a problem. Reb says, you don't need to wait three months even when you had no clue it was coming. So Lachora, it seems that Reb Yaisi should also hold that by Shane Va'ayin. Even by Shane Va'ayin, when it was unexpected, you should not need to wait three months. He had a kasha. Beautiful. Great. Seems to be a great challenge. Except it's not. Elam Rabaye. Isha Mezana Mesafechash like the Zabr. Yaisi says, let me tell you something. There's... Types of birth control that are before, for example, a mic to insert a cloth or something like that. And then there's ways that even after Aznus, a woman could protect herself from becoming pregnant. Okay, now this, we have to, you know, uh, you have to know how realistic this is, but apparently um, Abayi is saying that, uh, the, that Rabbi Yaisi holds the odds are strong enough to allow her not to become pregnant, but says Abayi, you know, if a woman's violated against her will, or she had, and she had no intent of becoming pregnant, she could turn over her body in a way it could cause the zera to come out, and therefore she's protecting herself from becoming pregnant. Is it, is it complete protection? Obviously not. But it's, it's, it's enough to tell us that she doesn't need to wait three months. The idach. And what about Rabbi Huda? Rabbi Huda says, no. Maybe she has no clue what she's doing. It's not, it's not helpful enough. You don't, it's, it's not an effective type of, uh, of uh, birth control, the same way a, a maich is, the same way a cloth is. And uh, therefore, you would need to wait three months. Period, two dots, gewaldic, pretty straightforward. End of that conversation. Okay, back to our mission. Two dots. The Mishnah said a fascinating case. What was our story again? Two men married two women. It comes the night of the chuppah, and by mistake, whatever the circumstances were, one man ended up with one wife, the other man ended up with a different wife. They married the wrong wife. Okay, we gave a case that's where they married as far as through a shliach. Okay. Says the, says the, um, the Mishnah, Vim are you If these girls were the daughters of Kaihanim, their puzzle from Kahuna. They're, they're now disqualified from Kahuna. Says the Gemara, Kaihanais in, if they're daughters of Kahanim, that makes sense. But Yisraelis lie. I'm sorry. Kahanis in, only if the daughters of Kahanim, they're disqualified now from the Kahuna. But if they were Yisraelis, they're not disqualified. Lachora, either way, they should be disqualified. Okay? Why? So listen to this. Rashi explains beautifully. Thank you, Rashi. Rashi says, um, if you look in uh, about nine lines from the last thin line in Rashi, the Dibra Maschil, the words in bold are, Yisrael The wife of a Yisrael that is violent, even though she's muttered to her husband. Um, yeah? Only if she, so, either way she's going to be usher to her husband who is a Kohen. Meaning the wife of a Kohen who is violated even against her will, she becomes usher to him. And it doesn't matter whether she's from a family of Kahanim, a family of Yisraelim. She's going to be usher to go back to her husband. So basically he says the Gemara like this, let's restart again. Says the Gemara, Kahanim in Yisraelim, if the daughters of Kahanim, then they're puzzled. But if the daughters of Yisraelim are not puzzled, the Chorah, either way, they should be usher to go back to their Kahanim husbands. You're right. That you're right. It's only true that they're that um, it, it, it does not mean that they need to be daughters of Kehanim in order to be puzzle. 
whether they're Kohanim, daughters of Kohanim, whether they're the daughters of Yisraelim, either way, they're going to be possible. Why? As long as their wives are Kohanim, they become possible, go back to their husbands. Says the Gemara, okay, Neshei Kohanim, if their wives are Kohanim, they can't, they're possible. Neshei Yisraelim, but if their wives are Yisraelim, they're not possible. Vamar of Amar of Amar says, Homo Sambalam Rashesha, taught us, Va'an Renu Le'inayim Masnisin, and he proved it to us by quoting a Mishnah. What did he say? Eishas Yisrael Shenensa, if let's say you have the wife of a regular Yisrael who is violated against her will, is she allowed to go back to her husband? You have a couple. Couple, regular couple. The woman goes out and has an affair willingly. The halacha is, they're obligated to get divorced. Halacha lamayis, you're not allowed to stay together. However, if the woman's violated, somebody forced her. Then she's mutter to go back to a Yisrael. Okay? However, still, pasul kahuna, she's still pasul for kahuna. Okay? Now this seems to imply that um, it doesn't make a difference what type of family you're coming from. What matters is, who you're married to. Amar Rava, Rava says, this is what means Yisrael. If they're daughters of Kahanan that are Yisrael, they are puzzled from Truma from their father's home. Why? Because remember, what was the story? This Gishmak, what was the story? These girls had these two women who were by who were mistakenly switched. They only had Arison up until now, so they were being fed by their father's home, and they were permitted to eat truma. Now, if while she was, if while she was married to the Yisrael, she was violated, and then he dies, she wouldn't go back to eating truma in her father's home, even though, the, again, the, the, it was against her will, and she would be muttered to her husband, she's still not allowed to eat truma anymore in her father's house. Clear? So two halachas here. Daughter of a Kayin, marrying a Yisrael, she's violated during Erezin, and her husband dies. She goes back to her father's house. That's what happens. However, she can't eat truma. Since she's been violated, she's not allowed to eat truma. Hadron Allah Achin. Hadron Allah Achin. Hadron Allah Achin. everybody finished, completed the third parak. Hey, good parak. Of Meseches Yevamos, we now turn to Perek Dalit. Okay, Perek Dalit, we're already familiar with. We're going to talk about some interesting, interesting scenarios that can take place with Chalitza, and we're actually going to continue the conversation of needing to wait three months in between your marriages. All right. Now, I'll just give a little preface. Here's the preface, you ready? The Chachamim made a decree. Once you're married to one guy, you need to wait three months before marrying somebody else. That's what we learned. You can't marry within three months of an assumed um, relation, of an assumed intercourse. Let's say... Reuven is married to Leah. Reuven dies. Shimon does Yibam. Beautiful. But he does it a month later. He doesn't wait three months. Shimon does Yibam. Guess what? Eight months after Shimon marries this woman, there's a baby. Oh boy. Oh boy, do we have a problem. Not only with the baby but also with their marriage. Because like this, 
if the baby comes from Reuven, from the first husband that died, so that means that Shimon and the widow were biblically ushered to each other. So they've been, they're not allowed to stay together. And if the baby, right, they're not allowed to stay together. Yeah, right. Now, if that would be true as well, ready for this? You also don't know that for sure. You don't know. So, maybe the baby is from Shimon and Leah. So, we got all these issues that are going to need, that, that need to be had. The, okay. Uh, uh, enough of an introduction. We'll figure this out as we move along in the mission. There we go. This is the easy part of the mission. You ready? Shimon does chalitza after a month. He does a yibam. Does chalitza. Venimtseis meuberes viyolda. And she had a baby. Is there any problem? No. Turns out his older brother, Taka, had a baby. And what did they do wrong? What did the Yavam do wrong? Nothing, because he's not really a Yavam. So what they do? They put on a shoe, they spit, they did a whole process. Big deal. Not a big deal. Right? All right. So he did chalitza a little early. Beseder. Now, this is if it was a healthy child. He's permitted in, we're going to call her the chalutza, even though, again, the chalitza wasn't valid, right? It wasn't really a chalitza. But we're going to call her a chalutza. He's still permitted to her relatives because they're not sisters of the chalutza. And she's also not apostle from Kahuna. Let's explain all these. Halacha is very straightforward. Are you allowed to marry your brother's wife? No. Are you allowed to marry your brother's wife's sister? Sure. Two brothers can marry two sisters. Can you marry your chalutza's sister? No. A woman you did chalitza and you can't marry a sister. So listen here. Ready? Straightforward. Ruvain and Leah are married. Is Shimon permitted to Leah's siblings? Yeah. Ruvain and Leah are married. Ruvain dies childless. Shimon does chalitza. Is Ruvain permitted to her siblings? Not anymore. Because her sister who was permitted before now is the wife of the Chalutza, so Shimon is not allowed to marry. I never sister anymore. But the Mishnah says, if it turns out that Shitaka was pregnant, your Chalitza is not a Chalitza, and Shimon's now permitted again to marry her siblings, and she's permitted again to marry his brothers. Gavaldik, no problem. Okay. Now, is she permitted to a Kohen? Yeah. You know why? She's just a widow. She's Reuven's widow. If the chalitza of Shimon would have been valid, then she's not allowed to marry a Cohen. She's like a divorcee. But now that she had a baby, so she's Reuven's widow. Reuven died. Shkayach Shimon did chalitza. But again, that chalitza is meaningless. And therefore, she's still muttered to marry Kahana because she's a standard widow. Any questions? Klar? Anybody need clarity in this? I'm hope articulating this. Good. Okay. Next. What happens, this is fascinating, 
What happens if Leah is pregnant, but Einavlad Shal Kayama? The baby either was a miscarriage, the baby didn't live out 30 days. Turns out, ready? It's not considered like Reuven ever had a child. And therefore, the Chalitza is valid. It's not taka, she's a chalutza again. So it's interesting. If you ever have somebody do chalitza on the wife and it turns out she's pregnant, everyone's going to have to wait to see whether it was a healthy child or not. If it was not a healthy child, the chalitza was valid all along. If it is a healthy child, chalitza never happened. Interesting. Okay. That's all when you do chalitza. Now we're going to get into the case that we introduced the parak with. And that is, Ayvei, what if you do yibum? You took her in within three months and it turns out that she's pregnant. Here we go. Hakainas has yibim doi. A person whose kindness his yibama. He marries her. Turns out that she was pregnant from the first brother and she gives birth. And this child is a healthy child. You got to divorce her. Why? She's your brother's wife. She wasn't your Yavama. And the two of them are like any time when you do something on purpose, it's an Isser Kares. And you do it by mistake. They're both mechoi v'chatas. Vim'ein vlad shokayama. Let's say the child is not a healthy, robust child that lives out 30 days. Yekayim. You could keep her. Now this is fascinating. You hear this? You took her as a pregnant woman. You're allowed to stay married to her. Because again, it turns out that she was your Yavama all along. Your brother never had a child. Suffolk ben Tishla Rishon, Suffolk ben Tishla Let's say, here's the big problem. Here's another big problem. <laughs> Let's say, after he had intercourse with who he thought was his Yavama, she had a baby seven months later. And we don't know whether this is Reuven's child or of nine months. Or Shimon's child of seven months. Yaitse, you're obligated to divorce her. Why? Because maybe there was no Yibum and she's your erva. Maybe she's your brother's wife. Bahavlad kosher, but the kid is not a mamzer. Why is he not a mamzer? You know why? It's very simple. If he's Shimon's child, is there a problem? No. If he's Ruvain's child, is there a problem? No. See, either way, the kid himself is not going to be a problem. However, the Chayav and Basham Tali, they are both obligated in a Karban Hashem Tali. Karban Hashem Tali is what you bring whenever you're Mesupik, whenever you're in doubt about an Avera like this. So you're going to bring an Hashem Tali. All right, you don't know for sure, right? You're going to bring a Karban, right? When it's viable, you're going to bring a Karban Chatas. But over here, you don't know if you did an Avera. Because again, we don't know what the matzah is. We, we don't know if, if this was the child of Reuven or not. So they're both going to bring in Hashem Toli instead of a Okay. Azoi is the Mishnah. Fascinating Mishnah. 
Let's get into the Gemara. Imar, we learn, a person who does chalitza on a pregnant woman, and then she has a miscarriage. Is it valid? Very interesting case. Okay? You did chalitza. She was pregnant. What are you really relying on when you do your chalitza? That the baby's going to die. Right? That's your line on you do chalitza. So, Rabbi Yechanan Amar, Rabbi Yechanan says, listen, chalitza was done, it was done. She doesn't need to have chalitza from any of the other brothers. Rish Lakish Amar, and Rabbi Yechanan's beloved brother, Rish Lakish says, Tzricha chalitza menachem. No, she does need chalitza from the other brothers. Okay. Now, usually when one, one brother does a chalitza, it's valid for all the brothers. If we're going to say the other brothers have chalitza, that means the original chalitza is not valid. All right. Says the Gemara. Machlekes between our beloved brother-in-laws. Yeah, again. Rav Yechanan says, you don't need chalitza from the brothers. Rav Shlaka says, you don't need chalitza from the brothers. Here we go. Rav Yechanan, he says, chalitza on a pregnant woman has the status of a chalitza until you know this is a viable kid, this is a healthy kid, the chalitza is going to be valid. Rav Shlaka says, you don't need chalitza uh, uh, um, I'm sorry. And the yibum, the, the bia of a meuberes is called a bia. Okay. What does it mean it's called a bia? It's called yibum. Right? Now we know bia means the act of intercourse itself, but we don't mean it's called a bia. We mean it was a bia of yibum. Regular kedushin, you can marry a woman in three ways kesef, star, and Bia. Yavama can only be married with Bia. So when we say that there was Bia done over here, what does that mean? It's a valid Yibam. That's Reish Lakish. Comes along, I'm sorry, that's Rabbi Echanan. Comes along the beloved Reish Lakish. For Reish Lakish, Omar, Tzricha Chalitza and Achim. She needs Chalitza from the brothers. Chalitza Asmu Uberes. Loi Shma Chalitza. Ubi Asmu Uberes. Loi Shma Bia. It's not considered a Yibam. I don't care. Ah, you're going to say to Reish Lakish, what if, granted she's pregnant now, but what if she, there's a stillborn? Says Reish Lakish, I don't care. The bia of a pregnant Yavama is not called a bia. It's not Yibum in the first place. Says Gabar B'may Pligi, what's the background of this Machlaikas? Yibay say Makrav, Yibay say Masor. Two ways to explain the Machlaikas, either through Psukim, or through logic. Here's the logic. Rabbi Yechanan is going to say, again, Rabbi Yechanan held, that the brothers do not need to do chalitza, because his chalitza was valid. Why? He says like this, If Eliyahu Hanavi were to come along while she's pregnant, and tell us, guys, Chavra, listen up, this baby Ain't going to make it. Says Rabbi Yechanan. My love, Bas Chalitzvimi, wouldn't you agree that we're going to look at this woman and say she's entitled to Yibam? She's entitled to Chalitza? Al-Yohanavi! He knows the future. He told us the baby ain't going to make it. Aren't you going to tell me it's a valid Yibam and a valid Chalitza? Stephen says, Hashtanami, now also, okay, granted, we don't know. But Hashtanami, Tigloi Muslim Afreya, she had a stillborn later on. Fine, so that reveals to us that retroactively it was valid. 
That's Rabbi Yechanan's reason why if she miscarries or the baby doesn't remain alive for 30 days, it's not considered a child, it's a valid chalitza. That's Rabbi Yechanan's Rish Lakish says, absolutely not. To say that you go back retroactively, there's no such thing. Now, interestingly, it seems that he's not arguing on what if Aliyah Navi were to be here. He might agree to that. He's just saying, don't tell me to go back retroactively with later information. You know what he says? It's actually an important lesson in life. Yeah? Stop machin sugar. When the information shows up, we'll deal with it. But right now, most women who are pregnant end up having healthy children that live out 30 days. Shkayach, something might happen later. But you can't make your halachic decisions off of something that might happen later and say, oh, retroactively, no. When the Shiloh comes up, you deal with the Shiloh. Don't decide now. And therefore, even now, at the time of the pregnancy, it's not a chalitza, it's not a yibam. Doesn't matter what happens later. That is, if you're going to say the machlokas is based on logic. Okay. Viba yisei makra. The other way to understand the machlokas between Rabbi Yochanan and Reish Lakish is through Pesukim. Rabbi Yochanan Sawar. Rabbi Yochanan holds. When is there yibam? Ubein ein loy. If the first husband, the first brother dies, ubein ein lo, he does not have a son. Omar Rahmana, the Torah says, and he doesn't have a son, says Rabbi Yechanan. If there was a stillborn, this boy did not live out 30 days. There's no child here. That's it. So it was a valid chalitza. There's no kid. That's an added drush. You know what it means? Ayin alav. Check it out. Check it out. Meaning, ready for this, says Rish If you have a woman who's pregnant, there's no yibum, there's no chalitza until you get more information. And if you were to do chalitza while she's pregnant, not valid. Ayin, olav, you have to check into this. And just having a pregnancy itself, without knowing it's a completely healthy child, you're not betayraz yibum right now. You hit us, fascinating. You're not betayraz yibum. Gavaldik. All right. Now, for the next while, we're going to have a classic, classic Gemara dispute. And we're going to play a little bit of tennis, a little bit of ping pong, bounce the ball back and forth, and each one proving why they're right, ask a question on the other one, the other one responding and proving why they're right. And we're going to go back and forth between Rabbi Yechinon and Reish Lakish. Okay? Again, these two beloved brother-in-laws and, and um, Chavrusas, that loved to sharpen each other's minds. Here we go. That's a challenging question on Reish Lakish. If the child turns out to not have, uh, to not be Shalkayama, to not be a full-born child, who also So, now the Chalitza was valid, and therefore he's forbidden to her relatives, because his, her sisters are the sisters of, her, of a Chalitza, and she's forbidden on his relatives. She also passed from Kahuna because now she's like a chalutza and uh, she, uh, she's like a divorcee. She's not allowed to marry a kain. 
according to me, that I say it's a valid chalitza if she has a miscarriage. We That's why she passed from Guna But according to you, not considered to be a chalitza. Let me ask you a question. Am I psalm and Why is she passed from Kahuna? She's just a widow. According to you, chalitza never happened. I'll tell you why she's also midrabon. It's a chumrah. That's it. You know why she, you know why we're being machmir? Because people aren't gonna realize, perhaps, that the original chalitza wasn't valid. But it doesn't mean that a taka was valid. It doesn't mean a taka was. Maybe it wasn't valid. Ah, so why is she pause from kahuna? Because Lamaisa, an act of chalitza, as as unworthy as it was, an act of chalitza was done. And most people know that a chalutza can't marry a kohen. So it's more like marasayan. You know why she can't marry a kohen? It's going to be too confusing for people. Not everybody is learning givamas. Iba is ikadamri. Another way to understand, uh, to, to learn the back and forth. It wasn't Rebbechen asking on Rishlakish. It is Rishlakish asking a challenging question on Rebbechen. Ein avlad shokayomar. Mishra says that if the child... Is not strong and living. Who also bekrovisel? He also bekrovav. Upsalom and akahuna. Which seems it's a valid chalitza. However, bishmal didi damina chalitza muberes loishma chalitza. It makes the point to me where we where I say it's not a valid chalitza. He's going to psalom and akahuna lechumra. That's why we're shpatz from kahuna. And I'm going to say this whole thing is lechumra. For like the tani ain't a tzrichli min achem and it leaves out the part of not needing chalitza from the brothers. Okay, because that that's what would be important now. Since it's not a valid chalitza, so that's why you do need the brothers to kick in. But according to you, who hold that if she's pregnant, it is considered a chalitza. The Tana should have just said, she doesn't need chalitza from the brothers because it's valid. By me, it makes sense why he doesn't say that. Because no chalitza was done. So we know that already. But according to you, all the Tana needed to say is she doesn't need chalitza from their brothers. Because according to you, the original, the, the Shimon's chalitza was valid. Amalei, Rebbechen says, no, come on, you're not Rishlakish, you're not getting this. What you're saying is actually right. However, yeah, since in the ratio of the Mishnah, it says that she's not possible from Kahuna, Tani Seifa Pshala. So in the Seifa, we use the word Pshala, but we didn't have to write it like that. But this they are challenging me of, ah, it should have, be, it should have been a different Lushan? No, we know very often the, the, the Mishnah just keeps a consistent expression. So you said, Lai Pshala, we're going to say Pshala. Uh, you want to know why we don't say that she doesn't need Chalitza Menachem? <laughs> because that, that, that doesn't fit into the symmetry of the Mishnah. Okay. Gavaldik. So far, or so far, so good, yeah? So far, um, do we have a proof who's right? Again, you do chalitza to a pregnant woman. Rabbi Yechonon said valid, Rabbi Shlokish says not valid. Do we have a proof who's right? No. Each one tried to bring a proof, another one said, no proof, I still have a chance to be correct. So, we're going to keep going. Says the Gemara Viter, Eisvei Rabbi Yechonon, the Rabbi Shlokish, Rabbi Yechonon, who holds it's a valid chalitza, asked a challenging question on Rabbi Shlokish, who holds it's not a valid chalitza. If let's say the baby does not make it, it's not a strong living child. What did we say? And you did Yibam on a pregnant woman. 
What did our Mishnah say? Yekayim, you can keep her. Because it turns out, we're assuming, she was your Yavama all along. This baby never made it. So your brother never had a son. So it's a valid evil. Bishlam al-Ladidi says, amazing. According to me, that Yibum and Chalitza is valid on a pregnant woman. That's why the Mishnah says, you can keep her if it turns out the baby doesn't live. But according to you, Reish Lakish, the Amrit that you said, that the Chalitza of a pregnant woman is not even considered a Chalitza. And Bia of Yibum is not called Yibum, why does it say keep her? You weren't married. You know what it should have said? Yachzor v'yivol boy. They should have said, go back to her and now do Yibum. The word Yikayim seems to imply the original Bia with her validated the Yibum in the beginning. Because now that the child turns out to not be healthy, the original yibum was valid. That's what it seems to imply. But you reish who hold that on a pregnant woman, there's no chalitza, there's no valid yibum. Why does the mission say keep her? The mission should just say, oh, now that you know that the baby is not alive, go again and make sure to do bia with her. That's not what it says. It says reish nah, no proof. My yikayim, what does keeper mean? Yachsar yivavikayim, delaysagi. It means go back and get her to keep her. <laughs> right? The Loisagi. Why is Loisagi means? It's not enough to keep her without this. You're going to have to go and do another Bia. Fine. Ikadamri. Another way to understand the challenges between Rebbechanon and Reishlakish is Eisve Reishlakish Rebbechanon. Reishlakish who holds it's not a valid even or Chalitza on a pregnant woman asks on Rebbechanon who holds it is that if let's say it's not a living healthy child, you're allowed to keep her as a wife. It makes it according to me. And the bia of a yavama is not called a bia. That's why he says keeper. Meaning, how did Reish Lakish just explain keeper? You got to go back. You got to do bia. And now you could keep her because without doing this again, it's not enough. But according to Rabbi Yechanan, who holds that, that once we see the child wasn't a living child, the original Bia was valid. It shouldn't say Yekayim, go get her, keep her. You know what the Mishnah should have said? Either keep her or divorce her. You can do what you want. Are you obligated to keep her? No. See, according to me, says Reish Lakish, you're obligated. You know why? You still have a mitzvah of Yibum, according to me. So you have a mitzvah. You haven't done it yet. But according to your Rabbi Echanan, that once you see the child isn't a living child, you already had a Yibum. Why does it say Yekayim? You must keep her. You don't have to keep her. If you don't want her, you don't have to. There's no mitzvah to keep her. So the Rabbi Echanan, eh, Fine. I could wiggle out of that. Ain't a chanami. Ain't a chanami. I done a ratio. Yaitzi done a masif. Yikayim. Yaitzi and Yikayim are opposites. Again, the Mishnah is keeping consistent expressions between the ratio and the Sefer. Still, bottom line, Machlaikas, each one is defending their own position. 
Okay. Mesvei, another challenging question. Mesvei, challenging question. A person marries his Yavama, takes her in, and it turns out that she was pregnant. Says the Brisa, Harezu Laiti Nasei Tsarasa. The Tsara of the Yavama cannot marry Shama Yehei Vlad Shokayama because maybe the child is going to be alive. Listen to this. We know this from Daf Beis. If you do Chalitza on a wife, any wife, what's the law to the co-wife? She's out the door. You don't need to do Chalitza on her. That's it. She's, she's scot-free. Once you do Chalitza or Yibam on one of the wives, the Tzara, if he had another wife, she goes free without Yibam and without Chalitza. So interesting, interesting scenario. A guy dies childless. He has two wives. The brother comes along and he does Yibam on one of the wives and it turns out she's pregnant. Okay? Huh? Correct. Pregnant from the, fir- from the first husband. Okay? The Tzara should not marry yet. You'd think, let her, get, let her go get married to whoever she wants because her co-wife had Yibam. We said, no, 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 no. We don't know if the co-wife had Yibam because maybe Shema Yehivlad Ben Kayama. If the baby turns out to be a healthy living child, so then the original Yibam never happened. Since the original Yibam never happened, it seems that the Tzara does not go free. Now, is anybody bothered by that? Yeah. Why are you bothered by that? Good. Because, because if there's a child, they're both regular widows. Right. Beautiful. Says the Gemara, one second. One second. Adarabah, just the opposite. If one of these women is going to have a healthy living kid, that is the reason why her Tzara should get married. Because there's no Yibam here. Let her go do whatever she wants. Ela'ema, rather, you know what the Bryson means to say? Shema ben Kayama. Maybe this baby will not be a living child. And if it's not a living child, let me ask you a question. Let's hever, let's think about this together. If the baby is not a living child, should there be a problem with the tzara? So it depends. Ready? We can already understand what's happening. According to Reish Lakish, it makes sense why she cannot get married yet. Because Yibum on a pregnant woman is not called a Yibum. So therefore, could the tzara go get married? No, no yibum or chalitza was done yet. But according to Rabbi Yechon, who was a valid chalitza, I, why are you telling the co-wife to not get married? If the child ends up living, she's got free. If the child does not end up living, so you did yibum already on, uh, on her co-wife, let her go free. So it's going to be a challenge on Rabbi Yechina. Beautiful. Let's read this inside. Adarav, it says, It should be when the kid is a, a, a healthy child that the tzara should go out. Rather, the case must be, The child must not be a ben kayama. And if you, Rabbi Yechina, hold, the bia of a yavama is called a valid yibum. Why can't her co-wife marry? As soon as yibum was done, according to you, Rabbi Yechina, was a valid yibum. Let her go free. Either Yibam was done to her co-wife or her husband had a child. Let her get out of here. Amr Abaye, says no. When it comes to Bia, meaning Yibam 
Everybody agrees it, the bee itself does not break the yibum. Keep vigi bechalitza. They're arguing about chalitza of a pregnant woman. Everybody agrees bee of a pregnant woman is not gonna is not gonna um, remove the koif. But what about the chalitza? Rabbi Yechon says chalitza smooth berish machalitza. Rabbi Yechon holds the bee of a chalitza is called the the chalitza of a of a pregnant woman is called a chalitza and bee smooth berish vayish mabia. But still yibum is not called yibum. Fascinating. We we always look at at chalitza and yibum to go hand in hand. Rabbi Yechon is now going to split that up. Okay? Now, we'll explain soon. No, the two go hand in hand. I don't understand how you're understanding Rabbi Yechanan. If the Yibum is a valid Yibum, the two go hand in hand. Why are you splitting it up? And if it's not called a, a Yibum, then even the Chalitza of Bregum should not be called a Chalitza. You can't divide Yibum and Chalitza. We've been learning this consistently throughout our Masechta. The two go hand in hand. To Hakaim alone, because we know to call ha'ayla liyibum ayla chalitza. If you're capable of yibum, you're capable of chalitza. Because ain't la ayla liyibum ain't la chalitza. And therefore, our original challenge on Rabbi Yechanan is a valid challenge, and Rabbi Yechanan is going to have to wiggle out of this. Why are you saying that the co-wife has to wait? We'll hold it here. Bezim, tomorrow we'll pick up trying to answer up Rabbi Yechanan's opinion. Have a wonderful, wonderful evening, everybody.